0: yee we're wrapping up the series against the Texas <laughs> Rangers that was, tonight. The most,
1: that was the most unenthusiastic yee of all
0: time. Uh, I'd like to have a real yee <laughs> moment tonight. The Blue Jays can turn this around. Uh, 10-0, drubbing. I was in attendance, just trying to find something to cheer for. Trying to catch those balls that Vladi would throw over to the fans. It was the most fun I so had. He you could whip it back up. <laughs> Hey, there's always tonight uh, our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit Don Valley, North com. Jared Sandler, Rangers pregame and postgame host at one oh five three three, the fan. How are you guys feeling this morning? Don't rub it in. Be nice. But also you deserve a moment to gloat a little bit about your team.
2: Well, I, and I appreciate you all having me on and good morning. <laughs> uh, I, I, we were in a ditch for like a month. Uh, we we couldn't beat a little league team and we couldn't even hold a lead if we were up five runs. So uh, I I think Rangers fans are definitely feeling a lot better. Uh, you know, the, it, it's such an interesting uh, trajectory for this team going from losing a hundred games, two years ago, 90 games last year, and I think if you would have told Rangers fans that on September 14th uh, you'd be in a playoff position, uh, they would take that 100 times out of 100, but when you've been leading the division for 95% of the year and now you are no longer leading the division uh, because of the way that it's played out, there's this this negative taste, I think, in some people's mouths, but winning five in a row and And getting back into a playoff spot I think has helped. But uh, it's not going to be easy for the Rangers down the stretch. Uh, they got a really tough schedule, and uh, I I don't know. I I don't feel like the Rangers and Blue Jays are going to be out of each other's minds after – tonight's game because uh three teams two spots it should be a pretty fun stretch the rest of the way
1: yeah it definitely feels like the rangers uh and blue jays are the two teams that are most vulnerable but one has definitely separated itself from the other through three games to start this series uh you mentioned you know in the ditch uh just not even a week ago uh What's the key to recovery then? Like, I don't know if you want to be sharing secrets before the finale here tonight, but uh, this Texas Rangers team has managed to turn things around over the course of five games here and the Blue Jays are going to have to do that if they make the playoffs. So what was the key to turning things around?
2: This is going to sound super silly. Uh, The Rangers, when they were just running the AL West and at one point had the best record in the American league. They were not doing it by winning a bunch of close games and protecting one or two run leads from the seventh inning on. They were doing it like they did last night and the night before, and that's scoring a lot of runs and getting out the big leads to where their bullpen can't really mess things up. Uh, they don't have a lockdown dominant bullpen. I mean that, and that's kind of what came to the fore. During this recent rough stretch, as they were playing a lot of close games, or their bullpen just couldn't protect these big leads. But at some point, this bullpen was going to be able to consistently protect a five-run lead. They weren't doing it for a few weeks, uh, but I, I know every. So this isn't like some groundbreaking strategy every team would love to get out to a five-nothing lead. But when the Rangers were were at their best, that's what they were doing. I mean, they were scoring runs at this ridiculous rate. Uh, last night they scored 10 runs for the 25th time this year uh, that ties a franchise record. But I think they had 23 of those occasions over, uh, you know, the first four and a half months of the season. So the the formula for this team is you need a quality effort from your starter. Uh, but they just, if they're, if it's a three, two game after six and they're winning, you know, for some teams, all right, Hey, let's roll. We'll, 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 we'll take, take our chances i don't know that the rangers uh would have the same level of success they haven't had the same level of success in those situations so uh the bats kind of went quiet for uh you know three four weeks stretch and the bats waking up has really helped uh, i just this is not a team that right now in their bullpen is built uh to win close games where they have to protect a, a slim lead for you know two three innings
0: so you mentioned the uh, the team was down in a ditch a little while ago. I think the Blue Jays have taken that shovel uh, from your hands and started building our own. But at this point, we have a little bit less uh, room to find that turnaround, uh, but your team did it. The Rangers found a way to flip the script and work their way out. Um, the fan base is rightfully... Down bad today, we'll say that. Uh, We got our tax line open and even, you know, being at the stadium last night, of course, with the booze. Where is the point of confidence? Like, if you're coming to the game tonight, you're looking ahead, the Blue Jays got ALE schedule ahead, like... It, is it really out of reach? Is there one last push? Could they be a team of destinies or one thing that needs to get hot for this Blue Jays team other than the offense? I guess it's just kind of the same thing as you mentioned, right? Like we have a good rotation. If they can keep it to one or two runs and the Blue Jays can just find a way to score three, they can win these games. Like, should we feel like there is still a glimmer of hope here in Toronto?
2: Yeah. I, well, I think so. I, Seattle, I'll, I'll say this. Seattle's got a, a tough schedule. Uh and, and and the Rangers do as well. I think it's helped that Boston has maybe knocked themselves out. Uh, maybe the Rangers will play a team that's kind of uh, you know they're they're deflated. But you know if you look at the Mariners schedule, that's a tough schedule. The Rangers and Mariners are going to beat each other up seven seven games out of the final ten on the season. So uh, you know once the Rangers leave, uh, you know I, I think Toronto. I, I don't know. I still really like Toronto. Uh, first of all, love the city. I I'm, I'm so excited. It's the first time I've been able to go to Toronto in, in a while. I, I really miss it. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I'll tell you tonight, Nathan avaldi 's pitching for the Rangers. And while he was an all-star, he got hurt shortly after the all-star break. He is still kind of in rehab mode. The Rangers elected not to send him on a rehab assignment because they didn't want to waste his bullets in the minors and, and, when he came back, the Rangers were still in the throes of this awful stretch of baseball. And he's not necessarily an all-star form, at least he hasn't been. And he's not going to go deep tonight. It'll probably 60 pitches or so. And then obviously having Kevin Gosman on the mound, uh, that's a, a nice, you know, nice uh, elixir for getting off to a rough start in the series. But yeah, I, I, and I don't know. I, I, you follow this team every day at, there's something odd about this Blue Jays lineup and maybe Vladimir Guerrero sort of represents a lot of it because you look at certain numbers of his and you're like, gosh, yeah, you know, he he is kind of bouncing back to where he was a few years ago, but then you look at the the overall numbers, the, you know, the average, the on base, the slug, the, you know, the home runs, and and it just doesn't really add up. And I think uh, I know that the Blue Jays have struggled mightily with runners in scoring position. And that's a big reason why, the run production hasn't necessarily matched some of the other numbers, but there's just something odd about this lineup, and I can't quite figure it out uh, because I feel like this Blue Jays lineup should be better than what it really is. But going through it throughout the course of a game and, and following the at bats, it just—I—I I, don't—I don't get the same sense uh, of fear or uh, the the potential looming big inning. Uh, From this Blue Jays lineup the way I have maybe in years past, but I I don't I mean you guys follow this team on a daily basis
0: spot on.
1: Yeah, I mean you you definitely have the right read. Uh, You don't have to be living and dying with 140 plus games uh, to understand that there's something missing from this Blue Jays lineup and has been the entire season and pitching has carried them through but has only carried them through at least uh, to a point. Right now, Uh, the hope was that Vladdy would, you know, fix what ails uh, the the Blue Jays in terms of, hey, being maybe a little bit incomplete or lacking some power, at least uh, one to nine. And and uh, there's a lot of differences between the Blue Jays and the Rangers, but one is just best players being best players. And Vladdy hasn't been that. But Corey Seager has been everything, it seems, for the Rangers. Uh, What what is his meaning to this team and what has he brought to the Rangers?
2: Y'all, he said. Can I drop a Y'all, is that a weird? No, you I guys love it. Don't use I love y'all. It. Okay. So you you played the deep in the heart of Texas. I got to tell you something. You know the Rangers are they're effectively in in Arlington, but that's Dallas, Fort Worth. I live in Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. I don't own a single belt buckle. <laughs> I don't own a cowboy hat. But I boots. think I own a pair of cowboy okay. boots, but I don't know. I don't know where they are. I am Dallas is Dallas gets portrayed like you know we we have tumbleweeds that or crossing the streets and we ride horses to school. <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth. Dallas and Toronto, I mean, Toronto's way cooler than Dallas, but very similar, uh, but I do use the word y'all. <laughs> y'all, Corey Seager is having one of the two to three best offensive seasons in franchise history. It, it, there, there are going to be things years from now that get lost in that because he missed 40 games on the injured list but he is going to likely set the franchise record for OPS and for slugging percentage. I think if Shohei Otani only had a really good year offensively, not the, a year in which he's leading the American League in homers and RBIs, uh, that Corey Seager would get more MVP consideration. I mean, he, he's likely going to win the batting title in the American League. He might end up winning the major league batting title. You know, I, I tweeted something out the other day. I know we don't think of uh, baseball stats, the way we do in basketball on a per game average, right? 20 points a game, 10 assists per game. We don't, we don't really say that. We don't say he's, he's hitting, you know, 0. 0.25 home runs per game, but because of the injuries and the time missed, I, I, I wanted to try and figure out a way to really demonstrate how ridiculous, you know, what he's done has really been, you know, he leads the American league in doubles and he missed 40 games, but uh, he's averaging and I, I don't mean to, bore you with numbers but he is averaging point or coming into yesterday's game he was averaging 0.68 extra base hits per game so Mm. you know almost two extra base hits every three games that if the season ended yesterday that would be the eighth best mark in a single season in major league history behind guys like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Barry Bonds and Chuck Klein I mean that is how singular his season has been, and it, it's just it it's the counting stats. I mean I say they're not there. I mean he's leading the American League in doubles. He might have a hundred RBI season, but they're not what they would have been otherwise. Let's say he only missed ten games, you know, which is somewhat normal, right? Bovisette, uh, I know has spent some time on the IL, uh, and he's having a great year, but you know he's he's been able to to be in there a little more than Corey has. Uh, it's just it's unbelievable and when this guy is not in the lineup it totally takes away from their dynamic and it's been so fun to watch i he, he could go on and continue to be really productive uh the rest of his career rest of his contract with the rangers he's got eight years left after this we might never see a season like this from cory seager again and that's i mean it would be disappointing just because it's been so much fun but i don't think anyone would look at his time with the Rangers if he never had a season like this again, but maybe was a step
1: down uh, and think of
2: his time as a disappointment overall because he has just been that level of productive.
1: Uh, Jared Sandler, Rangers pre and post game host at one Oh five point three, the fan on the line with us. Uh, It may be four wins from four games for the Rangers. If they can uh, complete the elongated series sweep tonight, but there will be at least one loss and that's Max Scherzer uh, losing him for the rest of the regular season. What sort of impact will that have on the playoff race?
2: Well, it's big. Uh, You know, that's one starter that they can't move to the bullpen. If they make the playoffs, because now that guy is going to have to fill Max Scherzer's spot. Uh, Obviously not having Max the rest of the way will hurt. You know, it's only going to be three, maybe four turns in the rotation in the regular season. Uh, But, you know, when you're fighting for a playoff spot, that's significant. And he was their big big acquisition of the deadline. Now, the good news is that, you know, I think when he – when he walked off the field and when people went to bed that night, there was some fear that he was going to need surgery and not only miss the rest of this year, but a chunk of next year, which would really be a blow because one of the advantages of acquiring him was that he could fill the absence of Jacob deGrom, who won't be ready until about August of next year. Uh, Thankfully that's not the case, but yeah, that stinks, you know, because what I mentioned earlier, this team is built more on its rotation than its bullpen and, uh, losing, you know, the, the, the guy that's at the top of your rotation isn't easy. They'll have to figure out how to piece things together. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a big blow because, you know, he's one of those guys who much like Kevin Gossman tonight, when, you know, that guy's on the mound, you feel really good about your chances, really, really good about your chances. And, you know, Max had had a couple of rough starts, but was pitching so well that night in Toronto. But, uh, yeah, that's tough. He's, uh, You know, he's, he's obviously a really good pitcher, but that's kind of the way things have gone since the all-star break for the Rangers. They've had five of their six all-stars hit the injured list. They're without uh, Josh Young and Adolis Garcia at the present time. Again, Nathan Avaldi's only kind of one foot in one foot out. He's still sort of in that rehab mode. And uh, now they're without Max Scherzer who wasn't one of those five all-stars, but you know, it was their big deadline acquisition. So no one's going to feel bad for the Rangers. Uh, especially not Blue Jays fans. But, you know, that's just been a part of the story for the Rangers since the All-Star break.
0: Yeah, Blue Jays are pretty fortunate without injuries until this last little stretch as well. So and I know it impacts uh, suddenly a lot of the outlook for our team as well. Um, I know we talked about Corey Seager, but i got to ask you about Marcus Semien. He was a fan favorite here in Toronto in his short stay. Um, and since he's left, I feel like a lot of Blue Jays fans noticed that there's been a clubhouse change uh, leadership change and this guy was really instrumental in some of the young talent on our team and getting them professional in a sense uh what's he bring to this rangers lineup not only on the field what you know about him in the clubhouse the way he carries himself as a pro
2: yeah the same and and, and by the way it you know it was so cool last year and then this year again when the blue jays were in arlington uh, just to see all the the Blue Jays players and staffers who went out of their way to to try mm-hmm. and just spend a few minutes with Marcus, and I know that you know his relationship with Matt Chapman runs deeper than you know time in Toronto because of their shared time in oakland uh, but you know and then they have a special bond, but yeah he you know Marcus is not the guy who 's going to stand up on a chair and give a newt rotney speech that 's not his personality and and you guys know that uh, but he 's a guy who is going to show up every single day. You know, the whole reliability is the best ability. You know, not only is he going to post up 162 times a year, he's one of the few players who, you know, not only is able to do it, but he he wants to do it. And, you know, you can argue whether maybe he should take a day off or two, you know, every now and again, but he is such, He is, you know, uh, routine oriented, I think is the way he likes to put it. He's not, uh, uh, it's not about superstition or anything like that, but he just, he is such a great example for the young guys on this ball club on how to go about their business on a daily basis and what it means to be a professional. And he loves talking baseball. He will talk baseball with anyone. And I think, again, he is such a great resource for these young guys. And uh, you know, I, I, remember his Rangers tenure got off to such a rough start. You had so much going on last off season, moving a family of five, dealing with the, the lockout, you know, he's on the executive committee the pressure of a big contract moving, you know, to a different organization and and not getting a head start because of the lockout. He didn't hit his first home run last year until May 27th. You know, this this is, it was not the guy that hit 45 home runs for Toronto, but he was the same guy every single day. And it wasn't just about home runs and he wasn't hitting anything Uh, the same guy every single day. And he has been that same guy every single day for two years. And I think there's something to be said for that, And, you know, he sets the tone at the top of the order. And, you know, we always admired him from afar when he was in Oakland. We'd play him 500 times a year, you know, in this old stupid schedule where you basically only saw your division. Uh, But, you know, he – it wasn't like anything he did against them. He wasn't like a Rangers killer. You know, every team's got guys on opposing teams who just – they have their number. He wasn't that guy. He was just so steady uh, and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you look at his numbers, like, holy smokes, you know, this guy's second in the American league in hits. And, uh, you know, he really is such a huge part of what we do. And, and defensively as well, you know, he's been outstanding. I know he won a gold glove in Toronto. Uh, we saw him back when he wasn't a good defender in Oakland as a shortstop. Uh, he should win a gold glove again here in, in 2023. I mean, he's been really, really good defensively.
1: So you detailed the up and down nature of the Rangers' season, how it started so brilliantly, and then uh, you know they found the ditch that we've been uh, talking to talking about a few times here. Uh, but let's assume they've returned to that really confident team that was dominating uh, in the first half of the season. Was it a smell blood in the water type of feel? Like what should the the Blue Jays? Uh, and fans expect tonight uh from the Rangers. Uh will they sort of thrive on the opportunity to sort of bury a Blue Jays team or at least uh sink them deeper in that ditch?
2: Yeah, I it's a great question. I, I think, you know, the the thing the Rangers have going for them because they have won these last couple games by decent margins is that they're you know they're few high leverage arms that you can maybe trust in the bullpen are fresh. Uh yeah, early in the year that that was kind of the way they'd go about things uh but and 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 they did really well early in the year i know they they lost uh to Kevin Gosman i think it was 2 to 1 back in Arlington uh i want to say it was the first game of that series uh but they they did really well against really good pitching because they would just wear these guys out you know they had such great at-bat quality uh and you know maybe the the starter would have you know, only allowed one run through five innings, but they would have thrown 95 pitches and that was going to be it for them. And now all of a sudden you get a chance to face a lesser pitcher in the bullpen. And that's when the Rangers would, would attack. Uh, You know, I don't know. I think watching this team every day, still a little scar. Like I know this is going to sound crazy because the Rangers have come in, they've won three straight games in Toronto and the last two in decisive fashion. And I guess even the first one to some degree, somewhat decisively, though not not to the same way the last couple of nights. But I think because of how long this this rust stretch was to the Rangers, were are still like a little hesitant to say, Yeah, no, 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 this is this is back to the first half Rangers team. But yeah, I, I just think that when they're going right, they might not knock around Kevin Goswin for seven runs, but they're gonna do everything to get him out of the game before he completes six innings to give themselves a chance over the final few innings to take care of business. So, and the other tough part is first half, Nathan avaldi would make this answer a lot easier. And, you know, you'd probably have a one, nothing game or a one, one game through five. I just Rangers. Uh, I don't think the Rangers yet know what to expect because he's still knocking off some of the rest. Maybe tonight's the night where he, uh, you know, he, he does kind of go back to, to what he had been. He's had a few outings that have kind of been those rehab type starts, but, Um, yeah I I would say that in the first half I I feel really good about you know the Rangers rolling and take care of business doesn't matter who's on the mound but uh, you know I just don't know that they are built the same way uh, right now that they were then so um, I'm not going to say I'm expecting a Blue Jays win but uh, I certainly would not be surprised Kevin Gosman I'm sure he's so much fun for you guys Mm -hmm. to watch and uh, it's just so tough to go to Toronto and, and sw- it's so tough to sweep anyone in a four game series. I don't know. The Rangers haven't been able to sweep the flipping Oakland A's all year. I, I don't oh, know. We did that. Uh, That's all we
0: got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we can't
2: do that. And, uh, you know, I, so I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it should be fun. I, I and like I said, I, I think it's, there's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching between the, mm-hmm. the Rangers and the Blue Jays, uh, I don't know that this is going to be peak rivalry twenty fifteen twenty sixteen but uh <laughs> I don't know that these two teams are going to be rooting for one another when uh, the Rangers leave town
0: well, I was about to uh to retweet the tweet that you sent to us and I took a look at your uh Twitter page and I saw that you're also a frozen grape fan, and I must say that you've got immaculate taste frozen grapes are the best snack there are
2: I mean are they not like is there if if you don't agree with that then I just i, I I don't know. We can be friends. Right. I mean, it's a, can I tell you how <laughs> quickly started. I was yes. in Michigan broadcasting minor league baseball and you know, I'm making like $20,000 a year or something. And that's nothing. And I love grapes and I'd go to the grocery store and I'd get grapes, but I'd <laughs> eat them by like the handful. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I got to go buy more grapes and grapes. are They're not cheap. Right. I didn't know that. I was just like finally living on my own and had to take care of these things. And so randomly I thought, I'm gonna. I I, I had like fro- a frozen banana in a science. It's gonna sound so weird in a science experiment in third grade. And for whatever <laughs> reason, I've always wondered: can you fr- freeze other fruits, and how do they taste? And I thought, well, maybe if you freeze grapes, they're like mm. mini popsicles. Mm-hmm. And so I gave it a shot. <laughs> so good. And what I realized was not only did they taste good, but I can't stick. 30 frozen grapes in my mouth at once and so it slowed down mm-hmm. my ability to go through grapes and it kind of indirectly saved me money but yeah i there is I, we have a freezer in my house that's basically dedicated to frozen grapes <laughs> the rangers thankfully uh casey Rapp, you're the man he now has they have frozen grapes at globe light wow. field uh yeah that's a little um, luxury uh, down there oh my gosh yeah you, you send out a few tweets someone's got rabbit ears uh you never know what the what they, uh, or I guess it would be rabbit eyes, I guess. And that's, uh, <laughs> you never know what changes they'll make at the ballpark, but uh, I love frozen grapes. I'm glad you, can I ask you, would you have a favorite? color frozen Ooh. grape or you the, of well, the, them
0: the, the purple or the yeah the purple grape's a little more sweet but in the yeah. summer i like a crisp green frozen grape it's like it, it's just it pops it pops it gives you what you need in a hot summer day and i'm a little bit more of like a i guess a sour than than super sweet so I'm i'm team green but i mean i'm not going to be picky whatever's in the freezer okay
2: yeah no i agree have you ever tried black frozen grapes
0: they're like more like currants right is that correct? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm. I, I don't have the money for that. There, Jared.
1: <laughs> Justin, are where are you on this? I mean, are you? Are He's you just mute. a total oddball? <laughs> I, I, listen, I love grapes, uh, but I've never <gasps> frozen well, the tonight grapes. Tonight you will. I, I actually have some black ones that I oh might have to god, pop in there. Oh my god! Let's go.
0: We were,
1: I don't want to lose them all though. Right.
0: No. Justin, here's
2: the deal. The Rangers and Blue Jays have a history of meeting in the playoffs, obviously, as you guys mm-hmm. know. Yeah. When we meet in the playoffs again, invariably, in the next few weeks, I need to know that yes. you have become a frozen grape aficionado. Okay. I'll, I'll work you, my I'll some
0: grapes
1: tonight.
2: That's I'll a promise.
0: All right, Jared. Well, uh, y'all have a great rest of your season, and hopefully we chat with you. Very well done. (laughs) I spent some time in the United States, but on the East Coast, uh, not a lot of y'alls out there. But uh, nonetheless, I respect a good y'all. Well, we appreciate you coming on this morning. Uh, Maybe not too much luck tonight, but the rest of the season for sure.
2: Uh, You guys as well have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks so much for having me.
0: As Jared Sandler, Rangers pre- and post-game host on 105.3 The Fan and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit donvalleynorthlexus.com I cannot believe you've never had frozen grapes, Justin. Uh, I, uh, it's I, a delicacy. I, mean,
1: I understand that like he went through like a little bit of an experimentation process, but I, when I think about a frozen grape, wouldn't it just be rocks? Rock no, no, solid? No, no, no.
0: Something about the texture. It's got a nice... like. Like a, they don't almost fully like, freeze. Almost like they're not like glass, like an ice cube. It's something about the consistency of the grape that's got a nice like.
1: It survives.
0: Got a little like, like a little, like a little. Like a little
1: it's like I'll try, a I'll, I'll, I'll
0: give you a report tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, if you don't have. Frozen grapes in your belly, then I just don't bother coming do they to need work.
1: to be stored in a specific way you just
0: toss them in there recklessly I don't even don't, don't <laughs> even put them in a Ziploc. <laughs> recklessly okay. they, they can just they can go on top of your frozen chicken breasts. I don't care, just do it tonight, okay, and you know what he's right about grapes being an absolute ridiculous investment you go there but they, they, they trick you because it's, like, it's you. like 2.99 a pound i'm like i don't know how much a pound is and i put yeah. the bag on the scale and it's 14 dollars yeah, for it's, grapes it's
1: half off 2.99 a pound and you're thinking, oh, I, I have i have maybe a pound and a half here and it's four and a half you pounds. have to
0: budget for not eating anything else the rest of the week anyway frozen grapes I'm, I'm glad we could share that with you and the listeners um great way to wrap up our show before thursday night football and eagle will join us he's calling tonight's vikings Uh, Vikings-Eagles game in Philly alongside Devin and Jason McCourty who are the most twins of twins I've ever seen in my life Um, and he's a great friend of Charles Davis so of course he'll be a friend of the show Iron Eagle after the break send in your wake and wake picks as well we'll put together a parlay to wrap up the show dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL
1: the JD Bunkus podcast subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: football 12 hours away week two gets underway after oh we didn't even talk about week one with you because you're on vacay but a lot of uh a little ups and downs okay folks
1: i'm kind of treating week one like not not even week one like week zero i guess i am okay and i'm going like it's a 17 week now i'm 16 i'm just doing 16 weeks of the nfl this year like old old times works
0: for you works for you i had to suffer through it as a bills fan okay ian eagle joins us play-by-play announcer at cbs, CBS sports west of one Yes network calling tonight's vikings eagles game in philly ian thank you so much for coming on this morning we know you're very very good friends with our very very good friend charles davis so for that it means that we are now very very good friends as well
3: yes Yes, the laws of association are in play. We are extremely close. We've known each other eight seconds.
0: Yeah, I think we could be best friends. Um, if you're anything like <laughs> Charles Davis, we're going to love you very much. Um, we appreciate you coming on this morning. Great to have you. you um, a big game tonight, and I know you're calling it alongside Devin and Jason McCordy. i got to ask you, like they are the most twins of twins that I've really ever seen. Is, do you ever get them confused? Because that's okay to admit, because I, I, I definitely would.
3: Yeah, here's the weird part about it. So Jason last year I worked with on four games and hit it off, text relationship, uh, really just a quality human being, excellent broadcaster, and was seamless in his transition. So Devin, I've probably done, I don't know, 20 production meetings with in my career, if you just think about all the times that I've had Patriots games and we've met with him. But I don't have a professional relationship with. So earlier this year, we're at the Emmys. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so many people from your past that you know facially, but you may not know in the moment. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I worked Mm -hmm. with that person in 1997. So I'm walking towards one of the entrances, and I think I see Jason McCourty, and my eyes light up. And he has no reaction to me whatsoever. I'm like, man, he just blew me off. He blew my ass off. And it took me like a solid 45 seconds to realize, no, that was, that was Devin. And he just didn't know who I was. It's pretty simple. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's that's pretty good story. I'm sure you guys have had a oh, pretty good, good laugh uh, over that. Okay, let's get to the game here. Vikings and Eagles tonight. Uh let's start with the Eagles. It was a bit underwhelming, I suppose. Uh, Their victory over the New England Patriots, Uh, they did still cover the number. So I guess they exceeded expectations slightly if we're looking just at a gambling line. But it it just didn't pop like it did pop. And we were expecting it to pop this year. Is that just, you know, the lumps of week one sort of feeling out process to start the season? Or is there something to be, uh, you know, something to dig in here with Philly after last season's uh, great run and the expectations for this year?
3: Yeah, I think your your description is on the money. It was lackluster. There's, there's no getting around it, considering the expectation level, considering the firepower that they have on both sides of the ball. The, the fact that they have two new coordinators, uh, I do think we sometimes take that for granted, that, oh, yeah, no big deal, same system, same philosophy, same players. Well, different people pushing the buttons. So Brian Johnson in his first year as the O.C., Sean Desai comes over from Seattle as the defensive coordinator and it does take some time. So the fact that they got the win, the fact that they'll find ways to win throughout the season to me, uh, they are the prohibitive favorite in the NFC to to represent the conference and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they're just too talented and too stacked and there's legitimate depth there. So Would I expect them to to turn it around completely in week two and everything is just humming on all cylinders? No, it's a quick turnaround. It's a Thursday after week one. But you're going to see gradual improvement from this team. And uh, to me, they are the squad to beat. And maybe not just in the NFC, just in general in the NFL.
0: I feel like the Cowboys are right up there in that conversation and the way that they annihilated the Giants. Do you think that adds any fuel to the fire for the Eagles tonight when they look around uh, already at a team that's come out pretty hot out of the start?
3: Yeah, that was uh, complete domination. It's rare that that you see that kind of level of bloodbath at this, at this level in the sport. It just doesn't happen all that often where a team gets completely smoked in every facet of the game. I'm going to chalk that up to Dallas being ready. And some teams are just ready week one. And the matchup is right. The timing is right. Everything's synced up. And a little bit maybe on the Giants, uh, not just not being ready, but last year being one of those years where everything worked. They won basically every close game. Brian Dable made every right decision for the most part. And he unlocked a lot of that potential in Daniel Jones. Now teams are certainly ready for what Jones brings and how they're going to run their offense. So they're going to have to have some other things up their sleeve. That was as disappointing a week one performance as you're going to find. You you wait all offseason for this. You put all of your time and energy into preparing for this one game. And... And to not even be in the same zip code is is very troubling.
1: Uh, yeah, very troubling indeed. Uh, it might be panic mode territory there. It might be panic mode territory uh, for the Vikings. Uh, maybe not just yet, but maybe if things don't look right against the Eagles tonight, uh, it might be worth it. I mean, they had a great year last year. It seemed like they exceeded expectations while on, on the yeah. path to a really good record. They flame out in uh, the playoffs very quickly, which is sort of characteristic of the Vikings is there is there a possibility that the Vikings are, like, bad, bad? Like, it could be a precipitous fall. Part of that due to last year overextending themselves, at least in terms of their victories and, and how they played towards expectations. But, like, it seems like the Vikings are a candidate to be one of those teams, maybe like the Giants, to suffer a pretty big step back.
3: Yeah. I think the, the reminder in the NFL is it's such a fine line. Last year, what was deemed a true positive for the Minnesota Vikings, they went 11-0 and in one-score games. It's never been done. It's an NFL record. So that was viewed as a major positive that this team is tough and resilient and Kevin O'Connell has his finger on the pulse and Kirk Cousins came through in the clutch. The problem for them is when they got beat, they got beat soundly. This team... They won 13 games last year, and they still did not outscore their opponent in aggregate scoring. That's never been done. That's, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's
0: hard to win
3: all those games and still at the end of the year say, hey, how are we minus three? So I think the margin of error was probably always very slim for them to begin with, and now in week one when you see it through your own eyes, you start to question whether or not, uh, this team was a little bit of an anomaly last year. Uh, remember, they were a seven-win team the year before that. They fired their head coach. They made across-the-board changes. And now we're, we're looking at a squad that might be walking that, that uh, hot coal for the entire season where you're just not sure if they're going to get along the path or if it's going to burn them.
1: Uh, So Vikings Eagles tonight for you on the weekend. It will be the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Interesting matchup there as well. Uh, The Chiefs obviously coming off an opening night loss. Uh, A lot of that was chalked up toward poor play from the skilled position for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Do you expect that to be ironed out? Or is this a theme or a trend we're going to be tracking for most of the year as Patrick Mahomes works with yet another new offense, at least this one in week two, hopefully bolstered by Travis Kelsey?
3: Yeah, they're inexperienced at that spot. There's there's no getting around that fact. So, uh, can they scheme it up? Can Andy Reid be creative and uh, figure out ways, generate ways in which to to get this offense rolling? I think he can. Uh, there's no doubt. And with Travis Kelsey in there, it changes everything. I, I just I think even if you look at their two Super Bowl wins, they did it differently based on. Personnel Pacheco was a more physical runner, and they leaned on that at times last season and I think that might be the case again this year it It might shift just a tad, not to say that they won't be dynamic, they won't have chunk plays they will, and they're going to develop Rashi rice, and uh, they're going to hope that Sky Moore does live up to what they visualize and they hope that Kadarius Tony can catch the ball it's it's that simple he he is explosive uh, there's obvious skill level there and he made a couple of huge plays as we know in the super bowl the question is consistency but having kelsey back having jones back i think it's just going to feel more familiar for kansas city they're going against the jacksonville team though that uh, is chasing something they're they're chasing that next step in the nfl where you don't no longer surprise people you're no longer a nice story You've got a franchise quarterback. You've got ridiculous receivers because their receiving room is, is probably top two or three in the NFL right now. And you've got a motivated defense. Josh Allen in his last year on his deal uh, had the game of his life as a professional player. And that's saying something because he's been a productive enough player. Three sacks, ten tackles, never been done by a Jaguar in the same game. Uh, they, they've got a little something. They've got a little confidence and they've got Doug Peterson who never backed, backs down from a fight.
0: We're chatting with Ian Eagle. Um, I think week one is easily stated as a lot of different conversation about quarterbacks, whether good, whether season ending injuries or area to improve. And and you're mentioning Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the Jags that all that preseason hype, you say that they're not going to be, they they can't accept being just that fun upstart team. So what is your ceiling? Where can Trevor Lawrence take this team? Uh, A lot of pressure on him, but he seems to be a guy with a lot of room to improve after last year, even still with an impressive start, he'd be up in the power rankings right now of quarterbacks early on in the season?
3: Yeah, I I think sky's the limit for them. Look at their division. They're clearly the best team in that division. Uh, Look at their skill position players. They're good Mm -hmm. at running back with ETN. They found something with Tank Bigsby. made the mistake, comes back, uh, has a, a physical run to set them up perfectly for a first down inside the five. I alluded to the wide receiver spot. Calvin Ridley looked every bit like a number one receiver in week one. You've got Zay Jones, you've got Christian Kirk, Evan Engram, who got paid and I think is comfortable in in this system. You know, they've dealt with some injuries uh, along the offensive line, and Brandon Sheriff's not 100%. Uh, they've had to make some adjustments based on the Cam Robinson suspension, so Walker Little's in there at left tackle. It's not perfect by... By any stretch, but if you're looking around the AFC and, and trying to find a, a candidate that could emerge, that that could be that team that that really does uh, evolve and develop before our eyes, it's them. It, it's no doubt in my mind that that it's them. And the fact that Doug Peterson brought in a professional philosophy and a uh, an attitude that they needed, they needed that infusion of experience and someone who's done it and the right bedside manner they were obviously lacking from the
1: previous regime. Uh, with the Aaron Rodgers injury in New York, is it as simple as crossing a Super Bowl contender off the list? And and what would you do to fill that void if you were running the Jets?
3: Yeah, that's that's such an unfortunate situation. It's a recurring nightmare. I, I grew up in New York, grew up about 10 minutes from Shea Stadium. Where the Jets played back in the day, I do their preseason telecast, so I've had an association with them for a a long time. And I honestly believe this year was the first time that there were true Jets fans that have an innate pessimism built into them that tossed it aside, that dismissed it going into the season. Like, nope, it's going to work. It's all coming together. Aaron Rodgers wants to be here. The team was the perfect place for him. It's the the fit that that the franchise has been looking for, and for it to be over in four plays is just hard to fathom, and and is a total gut punch to the organization and to the fan base. With that said, got to go out and play, and their team's really good. That's the maybe the saddest part is that they really were going to be a Super Bowl contender in, in my opinion. Zach Wilson uh, met with him in the preseason, definitely in a better place than he was a year ago when uh, the roller coaster ride was not kind to him and, and he wasn't helping himself uh, at all by uh, his own attitude. And this year, I just think uh, he's he's definitely more prepared for what's to come. It doesn't mean he can go out and perform on the field. They're going to give him a shot. They have to give him a shot. And they have time. Dallas this week, that could be very humbling, what we saw against the Giants, if that happens again. But they are not going to just stand pat. This is a win-now team. It's a win-now attitude. And they're not going to let what happened in 2022 Happening again in 2023. If they have to go out and make a move, they do have some flexibility cap wise. If you remember, Aaron Rodgers took the majority of his money in a signing bonus, $35 million. So there is a little bit of space to operate. The question is whether or not there's actually someone that can be the guy and, and help you. They're just going to need a credible figure at that position if if Zach Wilson proves that he can't do it.
0: Before we let you go, uh it's not often we get to talk to someone that knows Charles Davis so well. So is there something we don't know about <laughs> Charles Davis, a story, something you're talking to
1: her or his biggest, or yeah, his biggest fan yeah. uh, in Ailish. Oh, warfare. So, so yeah. any, any anecdotes you can provide would make <laughs> her day.
3: Any anecdote uh, in game. Uh, I, I didn't know this about him until you're, you're with the person day in and day out in game he needs a, a chocolate infusion at some point oh, wow. during the game. Guy. The guy, the he's, he's leaning into, uh, you know, whether it's one of those bars that <laughs> isn't really a bar, let's face it. It's a dessert or yeah. if it's his own stuff, like he'll kind of motion to our audio guy, Jose, who, who runs the show in in the booth, like, Hey, it's time. It's time. And, and that's it. Like that gets him through. He's, uh, uh, as you guys know, he is uh, just a pleasure—pleasure pleasure to be around, pleasure to work with. We just hit the ground running. It's our fourth year together, and uh, it's just been uh, a joy, complete joy.
0: Charles has a sweet tooth. Uh, he's a sweet guy, and we appreciate there you, you coming on, Iron Eagle. Uh, thanks so, so much. <laughs> Best of luck with the rest of the season, and hopefully, we get a chat—a chance to chat down the road.
3: Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. We'll do it again. See ya.
0: Ian Eagle, play-by-play announcer at CBS Sports, Wested One, and Yes Network, and best friends with Charles Davis, and an adjacent with us as well.
1: Some character to that broadcast team, eh? A oh, couple good I love guys. Them.
0: Okay, baby, wake and rake quickly to wrap it up. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and Ray. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. we got to send Charles a box of chocolates. That's basically what we learned from that.
1: That's, uh, yeah, that's his pretty good We'll
0: look up his birthday and we'll send it to him. Okay, um, I'm going to go quickly here. Under two and a half runs in the first three innings of the Rangers and Blue Jays. A good pitching matchup on the mound. Blue Jays have no offense, so it's easy enough (laughs) and the first two games the first two games have started pretty slow in terms of (sighs) offensive bursts so under two and a half first three innings is my pick
1: the most critical you've ever been on a show and i i i know the fans love it i love it the fans love it it's great uh the rockies were dominated just five days ago by logan webb who's going to do it again tonight uh giants in the nightcap run line minus 155 go into colorado and win comfortably
0: Okay, I'm just gonna quickly read through these. TJ and Stovall, let's get yeah. TJ let's get away from the Rangers or the who oh, the Rogers Center tonight. Focus on the gridiron. Hurts over 44 and a half rushing yards is my wake and rake pick. Welcome back, Justin. There you uh, go. Big E, Eric and Burlington. Uh, Eagles and Vikings over. Eagles minus six and Memphis. Minus 14 over Navy. Ooh. He's lots of NCAA picks lately. The uh, Eric in Burlington. Uh, good morning. Love my Vikings, but they suck. Get the Eagles at minus six and a half. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's great. Um, I like Bichette to score over zero and a half runs at plus money. Jeff and Barry to also eat over nine and a half frozen grapes during the game tonight. <laughs> Love okay. that.
1: That's a reasonable number. Brandon, Take the over.
0: Brandon from Keswick uh, likes Eagles minus seven. Vikings are three and seven across uh, against the spread when facing the Eagles. Also likes Justin Jefferson over 94 and a half yards and a TJ Hawkinson touchdown anytime. Love it. Cool. Uh, great to have you back. As a tandem, my wake and rate pick is Justin Jefferson over yards. I think that's a popular one as well. That's Jeg and Scarborough.
1: Okay, so a couple overlap. I think we have three for the Eagles. No one playing the Vikings tonight. I also like the Eagles. I got them at six earlier on in the week.
0: I see them at six right now.
1: Uh, I think that is a decent play. I think you were looking at the Vikings. Maybe we could do Justin Jefferson. Uh, But we should definitely do the NFL game, and uh, the Eagles is the most popular pick.
0: As somebody that has Van Jalen as my fantasy football name, I'm ready to rumble with uh, these guys. So,
1: Oh, it's a big night for you.
0: It's a big night for me. Under two and a half in the first three innings of Rangers Blue Jays. The Giants (laughs) on the run line against the Rockies, and the Eagles on the spread against the Vikings. Plus 445 tonight.
1: Love it. That's a good one. It's a good night for
0: sports. It's a good big one for for the Blue Jays. A
1: good NFL game, and I guess Logan Webb. If we have two legs of our parlay already hit.
0: True, 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 true. Um, A couple quick texts here: vodka, ice, wine shaken with ice, strain over a glass with frozen grapes in it. Awesome. That's Chris and Guelph. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: I feel like you said four different liquors there. It was very,
0: very. (laughs) was two. It was a lot. Vodka and ice wine. Um. somebody says cheapskate oh, this is Connor and Keswick sorry cheapskate grape pack ditch the sticks pull all the grapes off the vine and put them in the bag before you weigh them <laughs> I love that and then what do you do with the sticks just leave them on a shelf Yeah. who wants to play for the bag <laughs> that's so funny and the stem that's so good um, we've got frozen grapes are great but also grilled grapes that's T. Jane Stouffville grilled grapes I have a communal barbecue at my condo. There's not a chance of putting grilled grapes on there. You need grapes big grapes to do that. Oh, I just got the heebie-jeebies thing. they putting <laughs> my grapes on a... What's, what's the difference it's between just dirty. meat and grapes? It's dirtier. You put your meat on it. It's dirtier. Anyway, I hope everybody has a lot of grapes tonight. And uh, we come back tomorrow. Feeling good about these Blue Jays, okay? Justin, welcome back.
1: Thank you. It was it's fun. like you
0: never missed a moment.
1: No, I mean, I missed, I missed the Porto Menense, uh the teams that uh, it, <laughs> did, it didn't really matter because you played Texas and you've lost three in a row.
0: Okay, everybody, have a beautiful, beautiful baby Friday. We'll be back tomorrow morning.